welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Angie Watson, Chief Strategy Officer at Tatuka. Tatuka simplifies the complicated world of card processing with API technology that allows millions of Visa, MasterCard, and union paid transactions to be processed around the world. Hi, Angie. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. How's it going? It's going great, Stacey. Thanks so much for having me here today. Thank you for joining us. How's your day been? It's been good so far. It's a little bit cold at the moment, but I'm in Durban, so nowhere near as cold as you are. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Durban's always a little bit warmer, so I'm sure that the winters there aren't too bad. No, we're doing okay, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Let's jump right in. I want to hear your story. Tell me about your journey to building your career and businesses. Yeah, sure. Um, I kind of always start with um, my studies. Um, studying is something that I'm I'm really passionate about. Um, so for me, it started off with a journey in in studying my greatest passions. So that would be philosophy and psychology. Um, wow. And I'm a lifelong learner. So I would say my um, studies have actively shaped my career. Actually, so that um, branched out over time into more studies within psychology. And, and that then progressed into a coaching certification. And I would say that that has enabled me to have a, to build a dual practice actually mm-hmm. of being both a coach as well as a practitioner over time. Um, and, and that's been a theme that I would say has developed over the last say 10 to 15 years. And so I started by studying um, in my passion and through a fascination and that's been that's allowed me, I would say, to um, build a career on things that I'm interested in, but also kept me interested in. So I've always continued yeah. to study and seen, well, how can I make this either a career or how can I have it inform my career? Were you introduced to it as as a young kid or? I've always been inter- been interested in how the mind works. So mm. I'll tell you an interesting story. When I was standard. Seven, so that's grade nine for your younger listeners, I guess. <laughs> um, we we had the science Olympiad, and kids were figuring out how to boil an egg in a an, in an orange peel. Mm-hmm. And I was writing a short paper on the difference between schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder, which is now known as dissociative personality disorder. So I guess you could say I've always been interested in psychology that hasn't been a new interest. So I was just desperate to get to university where I could explore this. So being a lifelong learner, I've always been curious. Um, And studying and learning has enabled me to reinvent my career and explore what the next chapter could be. And I I mentioned that only is that that's been a theme that's run throughout my career, um, which has been really important to me. And I think always will be there. Um, And in terms of specific building blocks, you know, I started out in market research. Um, at a at one company, and then I went from there and spent some time in Unilever, moving through different um, departments again, starting in market research, but then moving all the way through marketing, becoming a marketing director, working across local and regional businesses, um, being able to work on global brands, which was you know a, a real privilege, and then I was able to go back and run the market research company that I had originally started mm-hmm. out as a as a baby what it felt like. Um, (laughs) And then I left and ran my own practice for just short of 10 years. And, you know, during this time as a parallel process, I had studied coaching and received a coaching certification while I was at Unilever. 
Um, and that meant that during the time that I was running my own practice, I was able to develop further my coaching practice. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I met up with Tatuka by um, an absolute chance, you know, a stroke of luck really through one of the leadership programs that I was doing, um, I was able to bring a number of the different experiences to bear through the leadership practice, through the um, strategic experience mm -hmm. that I've had in the past through leading businesses, strategy, as well as people. And, you know, that role was really meant to be a consultancy basis at first, but we had such a strong meeting of values um, that I've been so passionate about what we can and what we will be able to do with Chituka in the future, that that's evolved into a more full-time role. Um, and that's been fantastic. And it, it's really been so spot on with my natural inclination to keep doing new things, learning new things, and stay where I can make a real difference. Um, and I'm always passionate about how I can bring lots of different learning experiences to bear in one place. And I think that's what's why I've been able to meet those needs and want into Tuka at the moment. You've studied philosophy and psychology, which are such interesting subjects and can be used in many, many ways. How mm. have you implemented these studies and practices in your career? Sure. So I would say philosophy has always served me well in terms of being the cornerstone of how we think. Mm -hmm. So more than any other subject, I think philosophy truly teaches you how to think. It teaches you to think critically. Um, you know, we learn the principles of formal logic in philosophy itself. And I think in terms of our responsibility as leaders of business, we we take so much from the the principles and the concepts of ethics mm -hmm. that we derive directly from philosophy. Think about Plato and the Republic. Um, and actually, this is something it's, that is the responsibility of any leader in business, um, is how do we make ethical decisions? How do we navigate the mm -hmm. decisions that affect people as well as business? And philosophy is, you know, really stands you in good stead when it comes to, to making those decisions. I think as we... Yeah, and I think as we have to navigate an increasingly uncertain time in our future, if you look at things like artificial intelligence and the mm -hmm. kind of, um, or just the kind of power we're creating for the future, I think it's really important that we make these decisions informed by, by more than just sort of uh, capital um, mm -hmm. advantages that we could create for ourselves. And philosophy has been helpful with that. I think in terms of psychology, somewhat um, different perspective, that's been really important both for business generally and maybe organizations specifically are really all about people. And my understanding that I've been able to gain through studying psychology um, has created an almost visceral understanding of people. And this has been important both as a leader in business, but also it's informed some of my actual work. So whether that's in a coaching practice or through leadership development, so training actual leadership skills, um, I couldn't have been luckier in being able to put some of this into practice directly in an organizational space. Can you think of any specific example where you were like, wow, okay, this I learned in psychology or philosophy and I, I can see myself using it right now? So there's one interesting example that I use in coaching, which is the eternal recurrence, which is a 
philosophical principle, shall we say, that Friedrich Nietzsche teaches us in Thus Spake Zarathustra. And um, what it basically, the wisdom of that suggests that if you will your current situation such that you would wish that it would occur over and over again, mm. then what decisions would you make and what responsibility would you take for what you have? And what I think has been amazing with that is a wisdom it gives us and that you don't feel a victim to your situation. And how that's helped me is a number of times I've coached people or I've helped people to reframe their current situations and how they've, instead of seeing themselves as a victim to their current situation, but accepted the, you know, either the circumstance they're in or changed the circumstance they're in because they wouldn't wish it to recur over and over again mm. or take responsibility for the situation they're in because what if it did mm -hmm. occur over and over again? That's been one very specific and discreet example out of philosophy that has served me certainly for the last 20 years. Easily. You're a certified coach and work with clients from, from young professionals to CEOs mm. of large corporations. What advice is most asked and valued most? Mm, sure. Um, it's really interesting because, you know, sometimes I think about this because I do speak to people that are in very different stages of their mm. career. And I often reflect on, I would expect it to be different, right? You would expect people to come with very different experiences and to have very different needs. Mm. And what's interesting is that they often aren't that different. Um, we're at different stages in our career, and yet we often struggle the same challenges. And I often reflect, well, why is that? And I think it's because at our very core level, human beings are, are faced with the same crises of, mm -hmm. like, um, am I good enough? And you know, will I be good enough and can I achieve, you know, fear of failure? Um, so if I look at the kinds of things that people come with and the kinds of um, challenges they experience and how can I help that, um, I would group them into probably three big areas. And the one, well, the first one being the imposter syndrome, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And again, you know, you ask about the specific examples that come out of psychology, that would be one particular concept mm -hmm. that I see often. So the imposter syndrome, which you, you see people experiencing frequently um, when they have done particularly well in their careers, and so they have progressed really, really quickly, and so they often feel, well, I'm really young in this room, or I'm really young at this part of my career, do I have mm -hmm. a right to be here? Will somebody notice all of, the, all of a sudden that maybe I shouldn't be here? <laughs> and then what? What if I get found out? What if I'm not as good tomorrow? Um, and so this is really questioning people's self-beliefs. And so the advice that you give, and obviously I can't just suddenly tell you what advice you give as if it's the same thing for everybody. Yeah. But it's helping people normalize this and realize that it's not just them that experiences this um, and getting a sense that that's normal. And then helping them reframe that and look for data to support that. And invariably there isn't any. So there is, they don't find data that suggests that they aren't good enough, mm -hmm. but lots and lots of confirming data that shows that they are good enough and that they do have a right to be there and then help them reframe what it would take to believe in themselves. Where does this come from? Because I even see this in my day-to-day. -day. Like I avoid mm. saying my age at all costs mm -hmm. just because I feel that people are going to, one, look at me differently. 
a lot of the time I remember earlier on in my career when I used to have meetings over the phone and then I'd go meet um, clients in person they'd be like wow the way you talk or the advice mm. you're giving and then I meet you in person you look so young and they just have such a different opinion of me after so I think I don't know if it's society associates age with you only meant to succeed once you've reached like 40 then you should only be in a management position so I don't know where that comes from what do you think about that yeah and I think that's exactly that is exactly it and it links to one of the other um you know, questions that people often bring, which is around professional identity. And I think Mm -hmm. you're right, Stacey, we have, and and I think they're quite outdated and they're increasingly becoming outdated, which is we have certain um, scripts around what's expected in, in professional situations. And in, and I don't think it's just professional. You see it in academia as well. Mm -hmm. And it's very much linked to age, right? Which is we expect wisdom we expect knowledge credibility to be linked to age and to be linked mm-hmm. to tenure it's exactly the same in academia i've seen it you know um in universities and you see it in businesses i think you know when i was in when i was um taking on the role of ceo at 30 you can imagine the eyebrows that went up with that role yeah my jaw dropped when you told me that yeah and why? Because we don't think that people of that age have what? Experience. And yet when I look at the roles that I had at Unilever over that time, I just concertinaed a lot of years of experience into a very short space of time. So we, we make some sort of assumption that time takes a certain amount mm-hmm. of time. No. You know, people need experience. Does that need to take a certain amount of time? And I would challenge that assumption. I think increasingly, though, you look at CEOs of big businesses, they are getting younger. Especially within the fintech space. For sure. And we're challenging those expectations. We're challenging those norms. Mm -hmm. We look at what is prized in innovation. We look at what is prized in what will make us successful in the future. And actually, the ability to be agile in our thinking is not always there the older we are. In fact, it's not there the older we are necessarily over a certain age. Um, And obviously, there's exceptions to that. Of course, there is exceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the quality of our thinking and the quality of our experience, not necessarily the length of the experience that will be prized in the future. I'm in my mid-20s, giving my age away, (laughs) and I'm constantly chatting with my peers about career goals. Um, We're always seeking tips and tools to help us Mm. on our journey. You were Mm. under the age of 30 when you were the marketing director at Unilever. What steps did you take to reach that milestone? And do you have any advice for someone who has similar goals? Yeah, sure. Um, Stacey, what I would say, and I'm sure it's becoming a bit of a mantra in our conversation so far, is to stay in a learning mode. Mm-hmm. I can't stress enough how important this was to me then and continues to be. Whether that's you know actively actually studying um, in a more formal capacity or within your current role, it's constantly put your hand up for training or for getting uncomfortable and learning something new. Um, it's being uncomfortable and stretching yourself. I was thinking about this in terms of Unilever, and I remember that I um, was able to have that coaching certification while I was still in Unilever. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be a formal coach necessarily yeah. within Unilever, 
but I was able to, you know, have that opportunity saying, I'm sure I would be a better leader if I had a coaching certification. And so I had that opportunity. So I think staying in the learning mode was one. The other thing is I actually didn't jump companies as much as it may sound, I, but I did jump roles. And I had the opportunity to stretch myself into lots of different experiences. Mm-hmm. So while I was in Unilever, I had six different roles, but I didn't leave wow. six different companies. Mm-hmm. You know, so that allowed me to really embed myself in an organization and fully understand that system and have a deep appreciation of that system, which made a huge difference. Um, And so I had a lot of breadth of understanding within one organization, which made a big difference. Um, And it meant that I had lots of, a lot of champions and a lot of sponsors and people that really knew me. And I think that's the other thing that I'll come to. I also put my hand up to champion projects and initiatives. And I would would recommend that to to your listeners. Mm -hmm. You know, do projects go out of your way to, to work on stuff that isn't in your role? You know, work with other people that aren't in your current team. I love that. It makes such a difference. Go and learn somebody else's job. I don't mean take somebody else's job, but go and learn in somebody mm-hmm. else's field that you wouldn't have learned before. It makes such a difference to understand somebody else's role. And then do whatever you can to learn about the broader business system that your company operates in. It makes all the difference when you're making relationships, um, which is probably one of the most important things you can do within your organization as you build your knowledge of the business system. If you do that through making relationships with the people who drive the different functions, that will be critical. And I think the last thing, I had a huge, huge benefit and privilege to work on a global scale And I would say, while not everyone necessarily has that opportunity, do whatever it takes to have a global mindset, whatever it takes. Save to go and um, travel if you have to. If you can, study something through an international university, even if it's an edX course, but get a global mindset. Talking about a global mindset, you are continuously chatting with people from different industries from all over the world. How can someone who also works closely with international clients and people use this knowledge as an asset? I think that's important, right? Because otherwise, what are you doing with the time that you're spending talking to them? There's a few ways I would would go about leveraging that time and leveraging those relationships. Um, The first thing I would do would be to say, listen for stories, specifically Mm -hmm. stories, as opposed to speaking in the abstract principles. It's actually quite hard to apply postcard wisdom. Um, If you think about it, that's why Harvard Business Review is filled with case studies as opposed to just quotes. So I would listen for stories. Um, And when you're listening for stories, understand what the people in the stories are doing and most importantly, why they're doing it. So really listening for their motivations is important. And the reason why it's important is it will enable you to apply it outside of an industry and outside of a geography because people are fairly universal. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that you do with those stories is to step back. And I think you've got one of two ways of doing this. You either decide to take a lens through a zeitgeist, so it's about understanding those stories through what's going on in the zeitgeist 
at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so you make a call and your point of view is building a picture of the world as it is at the moment. Or you can channel the stories and hearing by asking within a specific frame that allows you to build a picture on a topic that you're an expert in or want to be an expert in. So it's about really being clear about what's your point of view. And that allows you to spot trends within that specific framework. Um, Otherwise, you're just a storyteller. So, for example, I chat to somebody in Detroit regularly. Mm -hmm. And if we talk about points of view or frames of reference, one of the um, areas that I have a particular point of view on is around creativity and technology and, say, AI. And when I chat to people within that particular arena, um, I might say, so what are you working on at the moment? Very broad question, right? Um, and so this this one person I speak to, he might say, well, we've just done an idea generation session for a car manufacturer and they were busy doing X. And I said, well, you know, what happened with it? And he'll talk about a particular situation and what happened with it. And I said, well, you know, what went wrong with it or what, you know, what was exciting about that? And he'll start explaining about it and say, well, why was that important or why did they do that? And you just get curious. So it's bringing all of the, bringing all of your natural curiosity to bear. And often when people say, well, how do you do that? It's like, well, if you went and spoke to a friend, you wouldn't ask how to have a conversation about their weekend. And if you talk about um, how do you help them or how do you advise them? You know, what is the problem they're trying to solve? Get to the bottom of that. Always understand what is the problem that you're trying to solve. Awesome. That's really helpful. You've worked in different industries, working on strategies from products such as laundry brands. How do you leverage your previous experiences when making decisions in a totally different industry? Yeah, I think about that often because sometimes you sit around the table and you're going, this is very different. (laughs) And it is interesting because Tatuka is probably the most different industry than I have been in um, because even in my consulting space, I tended to stay in areas that are more either marketing, mm-hmm. and so that's very much in that space brand, or in FMCG, which again is very much in the space that I've been in. So I would, I would distill it probably into three strategies in terms of how do you leverage past experience or how I've leveraged past experience when making decisions. And the first is I would kind of um, conceptualize that as archetypes. So some decisions are just the same in different clothes. And these are the people decisions where, you know, like I said to you earlier, human beings are very, very similar. You know, they may have different clothes, they may have different names, but archetypally, we're very, very similar. And so even if they're doing different things because we're in a different industry or they're in a different context, the the stories at a very um, core level are largely similar. And so that's about drawing from experiences where we may not make the exact same decision, but we've been faced or I've been faced with similar situations and I now have to either make the same decision because I've seen it work out well in the past Mm -hmm. or make a different decision because in similar circumstances that decision would have gone badly and so now we've learned from it before if that makes sense 
I think the other thing would be around um, principles. So some decisions actually rely on similar principles, um, even if the building blocks are different. So, for example, you know, in in payment processing, we wouldn't talk about concepts like demand planning because in manufacturing, you would do demand planning, for instance. You know, how much um, washing powder do we need mm -hmm. based on how much washing powder um, does pick and pay want to buy, mm -hmm. for instance. You wouldn't do that when you're selling services or any sort yeah. of uh, software services, for instance. That's not the same sort of thing. But it's not a million miles different either, actually. And so if you can distill the principles, it enables you to um, leverage the decision-making principles, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then I think the third one is about simple resilience. So sometimes, and actually you're lucky if you get these opportunities because you can learn a lot when everything is more different than it is the same. Agreed. Um, because that's quite cool, right? Um, otherwise it gets a bit boring. Then you rely on the fact that you've been in difficult and novel situations before and you simply have strategies for resilience. And in those cases, you just gather information from the people that know more than you do. And you rely on the fact that you're able to make hard decisions and your own resilience. And the fact that you are able to build relationships with people and you know when to, to trust other people more than your own lack of knowledge and you're able to trust your instincts. Angie, thanks for being on the podcast. This was so helpful. I know many of my peers are really going to benefit from this episode. I appreciate you taking the time. Stacey, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been so much fun chatting to you. I really appreciate it and for your thoughtful questions. Where's the best place for listeners to reach you? On my LinkedIn profile, please feel free to reach out. Thank you for listening to Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent or you yourself are looking for a new exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.